I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Think about the planet as if it was a human being, for example. When we start having a fever, the temperature starts to climb. So a one degree temperature increase is already like, oh, hang on, there's something happening. You start to feel really rough. And if the temperature keeps increasing, you will feel rougher and rougher, right? You'll feel extremely tired. Eventually you start shaking and then someone might actually take you to the doctor or to the hospital to fix whatever illness you might have. It's the same for the planet. Hello, and welcome to We the Children, the podcast where kids talk climate change. I'm your resident kid, Zachary, from Los Angeles, California. I may only be 11 years old, but I want to spark big change for my generation's future. And I'm Claire, Zach's teacher. I pop in from time to time to learn from Zach and brainstorm climate solutions. We have an exciting show for you today. Glaciologist Dr. Silvestra is here, and we'll test her climate IQ with this week's trivia game and leave you with an exciting action step of the week. Before we kick things off, I'm getting word that we have an important wacky weather report. We'll bring you there now. Thanks, Zach. I'm reporting to you live from the ocean. We're starting to see signs of spring here in the northern hemisphere. The changing seasons always remind me of my favorite ocean phenomenon, spring migrations. Ocean animals hold multiple records for the world's longest migrations. In honor of this season, let's dig into three ocean animals that can really go the distance. First up, we have Arctic terns. These overachievers can travel more than 55,000 miles per year and up to 1.8 million miles in their lifetime. These watery wonders spend the northern summer in the Arctic and the southern summer in the Antarctic, which really makes them quite the world travelers. Oh look, I think I see one now. Trailing just behind the terns are the humpback whales. Each humpback whale population has its own migration route. But those that travel from Antarctica to northern South America have the longest migration of any mammal alive. That's nothing to shake a fin at. 
feeling lazy yet? Coming in third in the Migration Distance Olympics are the homebodies, the leatherback sea turtles. Leatherbacks are the world's largest sea turtles, growing up to seven feet long. Wow. In the spring, the females return to their birthplace to lay their eggs, kicking off an annual migration of eight to ten thousand miles. Sorry, dolphins. You didn't make the cut. Although these migrations all look different, they all have one thing in common. They'll meet human-driven challenges along the way. Whether it's plastic pollution, shipping lanes, or warming waters, these challenges make an already difficult migration even harder. We'll keep you up to speed as this season's story unfolds. Happy spring travels! Back to you, Zach! That concludes your wacky weather forecast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. We bring you now to our interview with Dr. Sylvester. Today's guest is glaciologist Dr. Sylvester. Dr. Sylvester obtained her PhD from the University of Oslo while being fully based in University Center in Svalbard. She is a top science communicator, educator, and leads several expeditions to cold places every year. Her studies have taken her all around the world, but now she dedicates her time to science policy, outreach, and research. In 2023, Dr. Sylvester won the Shackleton Medal for Protection of the Polar Regions. Wow, that's incredible. Welcome, Dr. Sylvester. Also, congratulations on being selected as one of the 25 women shaping our future by Change Now. Thank you so much, Zach. Great to be with you today. You too. All right, let's get into our questions. So number one, what is your background and how did you get into studying glaciers? Mm. You know, I'm French, as you can probably tell from my accent, and I was born in the French Alps, deep in the mountains of my country. And when you grow up in a place like this, you really cannot help but fall in love with the mountains, with these beautiful environments. And I knew when I was about your age that I really wanted to do a job that would allow me to stay as long as possible in the mountains, you know, to do a lot of hiking, a lot of climbing. And when I was 16 or 17, I actually met someone who totally changed my life. I met this mountain guide from Switzerland, so from the neighboring country. And he told me that there were these people, these scientists who are being paid to study ice and snow. And I thought that was probably the coolest job in the world. And these people are called glaciologists. So from the age of 16, 17, I knew this is absolutely what I wanted to become. And in order to become a glaciologist, I studied geography, I studied physical sciences, a lot of math, a lot of physics. But I went to different universities in France, in the UK, and then in the Arctic, in Norway. And that led me to become a glaciologist. It took quite a long time, but I still feel very proud to have managed to become one. Yeah. That's amazing. So I've heard you say that Svalbard is the center of climate change. Can you explain that and tell us why that's important? Yeah, you know, today I'm actually speaking to you from Svalbard and it really has a, a special place in my heart because it's, it's an archipelago between northern Norway and the North Pole. And this small archipelago is today the fastest warming place on Earth. An archipelago is a group of islands closely scattered in a body of water. Usually, this body of water is the ocean, but it can also be a lake or river. Most archipelagos are made of oceanic islands. 
This means the islands were formed by volcanoes erupting from the ocean floor. The place where I live is mostly covered by snow most of the year, and 60% of the land is covered by ice. So imagine, like, no matter where you go, there is snow and ice everywhere pretty much year-round. But the problem is that sea ice, which is the ice covering most of the Arctic Ocean, has retreated over the past few decades. And sea ice, I mean, imagine, you know, the ocean around California as if it was covered by ice. This is what we have up here in the Arctic. But because of climate change and because of the burning of fossil fuels, sea ice has retreated. And sea ice is very much like the best cooling mechanism in the Arctic. It's like making sure that the Arctic stays cold. And because we have less and less sea ice around Svalbard, it makes this place warm up very, very quickly. And so right now, when you look at the environment around me, this place is warming six to seven times faster than the rest of the world. And because most of it is snow and ice, we're seeing the changes here happening before our eyes. And it's not just important up here, but the changes we're seeing in the Arctic are affecting the rest of the world. Whether we're in California, in Europe, or in Asia, we're all suffering from the warming of the Arctic. So it's like the center of not only climate change, but like the permafrost melting too. Absolutely, you're totally right. And well done for mentioning permafrost. Permafrost is any ground that remains completely frozen, 32 degrees Fahrenheit or colder, for at least two years straight. These permanently frozen grounds are most common in places with higher mountains and Earth's higher latitudes, near the North and South Poles. You're right, you know, this is a topic that is so very important, the frozen ground, the frozen soil. And you're totally right, you know, when temperatures increase, permafrost starts to thaw. And permafrost is guilty of two main things. You know, when it thaws, it basically destabilizes infrastructure. So here I'm in the northernmost town in the world called Longyearbyen. But basically here, if the ground starts to thaw, of course, all the buildings start to shift. So this is something that we monitor here very, very closely. But also when permafrost thaws, as you know, it releases a lot of greenhouse gases and it catalyzes the melting and, and the warming of the Arctic. So we're definitely paying attention to this here. Yeah. So I've also wondered, what's it like seeing a polar bear or any of the Arctic creatures you see there in real life? You know, I don't know if you're like me, but I love to see animals. And when I was a kid growing up in my Alpine village, this is all I, I cared about. I just wanted to see some wildlife. And this hasn't left me. While I'm up here on Svalbard, I just want to see all that incredible wildlife we have on the archipelago. And you're totally right. We have a lot of polar bears here. They have developed and adapted to really specific conditions, to a really harsh really cold climate, to fjords with sea ice. And sea ice is very important because they are marine animals. They hunt from the sea ice. And when you see polar bears, it feels like you're seeing kind of the world champion of the Arctic. You know, the best animal to survive in these conditions here. But at the same time, you know, when I see these bears, although I'm a little bit afraid and I try to you know, give them plenty of room not to be angry of my presence. But I often think about 
the fact that the Arctic is changing very rapidly and that the melting sea ice, the warming temperatures are directly affecting these polar bears. And you cannot help but wonder, you know, what will happen to the bears if, you know, sea ice totally disappears in the Arctic. And this is definitely the trajectory we're currently taking. So I think polar bears are majestic and polar bears are a great reason to keep fighting for the Arctic, to keep the Arctic cold. And if polar bears are the best motivation to you, then, you know, keep going. But to me, yeah, they are absolutely magnificent. And I feel that it's a privilege to see polar bears. Yeah. So I live in Los Angeles and most people I know have never seen a glacier. Could you explain how a glacier melting across the world will impact us and have such a big effect on climate change? Yeah, you know, Zach, I think this is such an important question because I totally see that my job is a little bit weird. You know, I'm a glaciologist. I, I study glaciers, but for probably 99.9% .9 of the population of the world, they've never seen a glacier and they might not fully understand why, you know, these glaciers are so important. So why do glaciers matter in the world? Well, I think there are two very important reasons why we should care about them. The first reason is that if you look at snow and ice in the world, I'm talking about land ice or glaciers, for example, 70% of our fresh water resources are being held in snowpacks and glaciers. So imagine this is a giant water reserve that we tap into for drinking, for irrigation of our crops, for sanitation, for the production of hydroelectricity, for fluvial transport. Fluvial transport may be an unfamiliar term, but it's actually fairly easy to understand. Fluvial transport is how water moves material. Flowing water may erode a riverbed or it may deposit materials and cause a buildup. You know, these glaciers and this snow really matters a lot for this. And the second reason why we should deeply care about glaciers and melting glaciers is because when they start to melt, sea levels around the world start to rise. And you're really familiar with this topic. But just to give you some numbers about sea level rise, if all the glaciers in the world were to disappear, and I'm including the big ice sheets, Greenland and Antarctica, if all of this land ice were to melt, it would increase sea levels globally by 65 meters. And I'm thinking, what is that in feet? Is it like on 180 feet or 200 feet? And this number is increasing. So sea levels are rising faster and faster because the ice is melting faster and faster. This is very important for a state like California because you have people living right on the coastline, but it's also important for the rest of the world. And we know that in the world today, there are 700 million people living between zero and 30 feet of elevation. So when the ice melts, these people are going to have to adapt, are going to have to go somewhere else. And this is why, you know, as a glaciologist, we try to better understand how quickly the ice is melting to prepare populations for what's to come and also, of course, motivate populations to burn less fossil fuels that are directly at the source of the problem. And you said 70%, like 70? 70%, 70% of the fresh water on Earth 
He's being wow. held into snow and ice. It's crazy, right? It's wild. I'm glad you're allowing me to talk about this today because we need people to be aware of this. It definitely is the most important resource we have on Earth. Yeah. And we keep hearing about temperature increase. So could you explain what that means and why we should be concerned a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely, Zach. So basically, the more we burn fossil fuels, so that's coal, gas, petrol, oil, the more we burn these fossil fuels, the more our planet keeps the heat in. It's like putting a blanket on our planet, basically. These greenhouse gases are able to keep the heat that we're producing and prevent it from going back into space. So this is what we're seeing right now is we burn fossil fuels, greenhouse gases are being emitted, and the planet is getting warmer and warmer. Right now, we have increased global temperatures by about 1.1, 1.2 degrees Celsius since the pre-industrial era. So that's before the Industrial Revolution. And what's really important about this is that it sounds like a tiny, tiny temperature increase. But think about the planet as if it was a human being, for example. When we start having a fever, the temperature... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It starts to climb. So a one degree temperature increase is already like, oh, hang on, there's something happening. You start to feel really rough. And if the temperature keeps increasing, you will feel rougher and rougher, right? You'll feel extremely tired. Eventually you start shaking and then someone might actually take you to the doctor or to the hospital to fix whatever illness you might have. It's the same for the planet. According to NASA, without major action to reduce emission, global temperature is on track to rise by 4.5 degrees Fahrenheit to 8 degrees Fahrenheit by 2100. It may not be too late to avoid or limit some of the worst effects on climate change. Responding to climate change will involve a two-tier approach. Mitigation, reducing the flow of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, and adaptation, learning to live with and adapt to the climate change that has already been set in motion. The key question is, what will our emissions of carbon dioxide and other pollutants be in the years to come? The planet is really adjusted, adapted to a certain temperature. And if you increase this temperature, problems will start to arise. For example, what we've just talked about, the ice that we have in the polar regions, the ice that we have in really high mountains might start to melt. And this will create a whole suite of consequences we've just talked about, the loss of water resources, but also 
sea levels increasing, but also biodiversity can be impacted by this. And right now what we're seeing is a lot of these consequences of climate change are starting to impact us human beings directly. We have wildfires, we have droughts, we have polar vortexes, and this is only going to get worse the more we burn fossil fuels. So the key here is that we have all the solutions in our hands to tackle the climate crisis, as you know, but the key is to really stop using fossil fuels as much as we are today, to reduce our emissions and start investing more and more in renewables. And California is definitely leading the way in that sense. But we need all of the states in the US and all of the countries of the world to embark on the same journey. Yeah, I agree. So what concerns you the most about climate change? You know, what concerns me the most is probably the speed of change and the fact that temperatures keep on increasing at the moment. When you look at the CO2 curve, CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere, this curve is going up at the moment, it's still going up, which means that we're not succeeding. We have to do better. We have to try even harder than we are today. And eventually, hopefully, we'll see this curve starting to go down and hopefully start to see temperatures stabilizing. But what concerns me is that we are getting very close to climate tipping points. This is the topic I'm sure you're familiar with, but when it comes to snow and ice, for example, we know that a lot of the tipping points when it comes to the Greenland ice sheets, the Antarctic ice sheet, or permafrost. Glaciers are found in Arctic areas, Antarctica, and on high mountains in temperate and even tropical climates. Glaciers that extend in continuous sheets and cover over large landmasses, such as Antarctica or Greenland, are called ice sheets. If they are similar but smaller, they are termed ice caps. We know that around a global increase in temperature of about 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2 degrees Celsius, which are the limits of the Paris Accords, we know that if we go beyond these temperatures, we will trigger irreversible consequences that will affect generations over generations over generations, you know, over the centuries to come. For example, if you look at the Greenland Ice Sheet, which is kind of my neighbor here, the Greenland Ice Sheet is the biggest island in the world, is mostly covered by ice. So there's a lot of ice in Greenland. And we know that beyond 1.5 or 2 degrees Celsius, the Greenland Ice Sheet will continue losing its ice, but in an irreversible manner, which means that no matter what we do beyond 1.5 or 2 degrees, even if we have like a magic wand and, and try to capture all the CO2 in the atmosphere and bury it somewhere, Greenland will just continue losing more and more ice, increasing sea levels around the world. So my biggest concern, it's not just negative. Of course, I'm, I'm worried about these climate tipping points. But to me, I use these concerns as a motivation. I know that we cannot cross this 1.5 or 2 degree threshold. We have to try so very hard to stay below. It's going to be very hard. Some scientists already say that we might not manage. But this is a fantastic motivation, I think, to keep fighting, to keep reducing our collective carbon footprint. And eventually, you know, we can stabilize these temperatures and see them starting to go down. So what more can kids and families do in their individual life? I think kids and families have tremendous 
means and power to basically change things for the better. I work a lot with youth in France, for example, and I can see that the youth is really informed about the climate crisis. They know what's happening. They understand the urgency to act, and they are the ones teaching their parents to act, you know, to make better decisions or more informed decisions and try to reduce the carbon footprint of their families. I think what's important is, first of all, what you do, which is to educate people on these issues. I think as scientists, we often overestimate how accessible our science is, you know, how accessible our results are. And we need to make sure that our science is more available, more understandable to people like you and your family. I think this is very important. So first of all, continue to educate yourself on these issues and discuss these topics at home. My second point is also very important, is to go from knowledge to action. And there are quite a few things we can do in our homes. Start by calculating your carbon footprints, which I'm sure you already have done that. Calculate your water footprint your water consumption, because this is connected to everything, to the food you eat, the clothes you buy, and try to find small, low-tech solutions that could definitely help you to reduce the footprint of your family on the environment. And then to continue sharing this information and, and share, I think, these solutions with positivity, with excitement, to show that, you know, fighting the climate crisis is actually something that can be fun, that can be instructive, that can be positive for the household, for the family, and to try to make a positive change for the planet. So our last question, what makes you the most hopeful for our future? You know, yeah, so doing something like we're doing right now makes me very, very hopeful because I think it's so incredibly important to engage the youth in what we're trying to do, but also it's very important to make sure that it's not we shouldn't just rely on the youth to fix all the problems that my generation and older generations have caused. But we definitely need to be there for the youth, to support their efforts, to listen to their voices. Because, you know, someone like you can definitely tell us the way things are and should definitely tell us when you think that we're not being efficient enough. I can see that also companies, the private sector, is really engaged in trying to reduce its own carbon footprint, to pollute a lot less. And I think that people see through greenwashing today, polluting companies, just cannot keep lying, cannot keep cheating. People see it as it is now. You know, they completely see through these green curtains. And I think the more time passes, the less tolerance we'll have for greenwashing and the more people will want to see concrete, decisive actions against climate change. And that gives me so much hope because I can see that, you know, around the world, people are waking up and they want to make a change. They want to make a positive change for the planet. And as a scientist, my role, my responsibility is really to keep supporting this. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast, Dr. Sylvester. Before we let you go, we want to test your climate IQ with some climate trivia. You ready? Let's get right into it. Okay, so question number one. What are the consequences to glacier ice melting too quickly? Choose all that apply. A. Rising sea levels. B. Ocean temperatures dropping too quickly. And C. Disrupting animal habitats. This is a very good question. We talked a little bit about this, but it's A and C. 
Sea level rise and the animals being disturbed. Yeah, it's animals, fauna and flora absolutely being affected by this. Correct. When a glacier melts too quickly, it can cause an increase of water and thus sea levels rise. This also disrupts animal habitats. Now question number two. On average, how old is the oldest glacier in Antarctica? Is it A, 3 billion years old, B, 1.3 billion years old, or C, 1 million years old? Yeah, you know, I actually had friends in Antarctica just a few weeks ago looking for this oldest ice. And I think this is mind-blowing, but the ice they were looking after was 1, 1.5 million years old. So I believe it's answer C. Correct. How many glaciers currently exist in Alaska? Is it A, 27,000, B, 152,000, or C, 14,027? You know, this is a hard one for me. I don't think it's 152,000 because in the world we have mostly 200,000 glaciers. So it's either A or C. But I think there's quite a lot. In my memory, I think there was about 30,000. So it could be A, but maybe C. The answer is A. Okay. So a recent survey in 2011 showed approximately 27,000 glaciers in Alaska. And that was a fairly long time ago. But despite the high number, scientists are still concerned about the amount covered by the glaciers, which is trending downward. All right. Question four. Glacier ice is a type of rock. True or false? Yeah, so ice is, it sounds really weird, but I know it's just frozen snow, frozen water, but ice is a mineral and it behaves in a very strange way because it's a viscous material. So ice can deform, you know, rocks are really hard and difficult to move, but basically ice under pressure can start to deform. And so I would say yes, and yes, it's a mineral. True. Correct. Believe it or not, glacier ice is a monomineralic rock. The water inside of a glacier is the crystalline form of water. And our final question, why does glacier ice appear blue? A, it's made of blue tinted minerals. B, the wavelengths of red and white light are absorbed by the ice and the blue wavelengths are scattered, creating a blue hue. Or C, Wacky Waldo spilled his blue energy drink all over the glacier. Bad Waldo. <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> you know, I get asked this question all the time and it's it's actually not a very romantic explanation. It's really physics behind this. The answer is B, it all has to do with the wavelengths. It has to do with the ice molecules, the way they are arranged and how light bounces, the blue light bounces off these molecules. So it's basically a B. Correct. All right. Well, thank you for being on our podcast, Dr. Sylvester. Thank you so much, Zach. I've really enjoyed it and keep in touch. I love that game. Now that we know our ice from our elbows, let's get into our action step of the week. And trust me, you're going to want to do this one. Uh, Zach, what are you eating there, buddy? Oh, just some spicy buffalo cauliflower rings with this delicious cashew ranch dip. Ooh, that sounds amazing. Can I have some, please? 
Sure, I'm trying to eat at least one plant-based meal a week to do my part in saving the climate. Zach, how can eating some random veggies help save the planet? Well, according to some major new research and the most recent UN report, changing the human diet to a more plant-based one is essential to mitigating climate change. Huh, how so? Animal agriculture is said to contribute almost 60% of greenhouse gases that are warming the planet. Not only do they take up a ton of land, but livestock also produce large quantities of methane, a powerful greenhouse gas. Otherwise known as farts. You may have heard of them before. Okay, so you're telling me that animal farts actually cause climate problems? That's right, Claire. Never underestimate the power of a cow's toot. So, does that mean I have to give up cheeseburgers and milkshakes? Not necessarily. Going plant-based for just one meal a week will make a huge impact. I'm talking the equivalent of eliminating 340 million passenger vehicles from the road. That is huge. Plus, there are so many amazing plant-based versions of your favorite dishes that you won't really feel like you're missing out on anything. Well, I like the sound of that. Do you have any good recipes for a veggie burger or a strawberry oat milkshake? I sure do. Check the notes of this very podcast. Thanks, Zach. That was one tasty action step of the week. And we are one step closer to saving the earth. Bon appetit! Well, that's our show, folks. Special thanks to our guests today, Dr. Sylvester, my parents, my buddy Waldo, and my teacher Claire, as well as the producers and engineers over at Resonate Recordings. Last but not least, you, the listener, for tuning in to We the Children podcast. Find us on social media at We the Children podcast, and don't hesitate to reach out to us. Remember, if we act together, we, the children, can inspire hope and create change for our climate. Tune in next time for more climate content. I know the planet is warming, but try to stay cool. This is Zachary James signing off. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.